0: Welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinson, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman, MDiv. (laughs) Yep. Soon-to-be demon. Yeah, Yeah, now you got me really questioning
1: this whole (laughs) demon thing. Good.
0: Yeah. Maybe I don't need it. (laughs) Um, Today we are going to talk about um, 18 to Dead. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's a long And range, how to be but. a good Christian in everything that I'm doing for, for the whole, that whole time. Well, for
1: that whole time. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we're, Yeah, we're assuming like dead, meaning like later on dead.
0: Yeah, later, not like not 18 like, to 18 and a half. Right, dead. Yeah. Right,
1: okay, got it.
0: Cool. Um, first off, go to Patreon, $5, and make sure you click all the buttons around the thing, subscribe, and like, and comment, and all those things so uh, we stopped last week on like I'm going to college or whatever yeah and sure. I've got to pick a thing I want to do with the rest of my life uh-huh. so but not everybody goes to college right correct so I'm 18 uh-huh or whatever age I graduate and I have an infinite, number of possibilities of things to do with myself for the rest of my life. What is the most Christianiest thing that I can do? And how do I know what that is?
1: <laughs> okay, so we're working on the premise that at 18 you're a Christian. Yes. Okay. And and so- I'm
0: I am now the one who is choosing to live as Christian as possible as I can. Okay. All right. So because before last episode it was uh what is my environment look like? What are what are my surroundings for the best Christian upbringing, I sure. guess. And now I'm the one making the decisions. Okay. All right. And hopefully you've been already making
1: some decisions before, but you're right. Now we're hitting maybe we're moving out of the house from Mom and Dad and maybe hitting kind of a more of an independence. Uh, status. So, um, man, that's a tough question. I think for individuals that are, when they're finishing up high school, I think there's just a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of different um, options out there. Mm. And so there's not like one best Christian-y thing. Um, I think individuals already start having these kind of bents or interests toward different things, and they should feel free to go you know, if they're if they're feeling like, hey, I want to go and learn a trade and go to trade school and, and learn a skill set there, or if I want to go to college and learn a skill set there, or if I just want to go work and, you know, start making money and do that. And I think some people have a pretty clear idea of where the Lord may be leading them. And then others are like, I got no idea. Like, I think that's one of the hardest parts is like when you're 18, you're finishing high school and you've got to make a decision now of where is God leading me?
0: Right. And how, how do you how do you navigate you know that? that? Yeah. And I think that's because I'm of, trying to be super Christian
1: Right. And I think that's actually one of the things that paralyzes people. Okay. Because what I mean by that is, so if I feel like I've got to do the exact perfect right thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So in other words, I'm sitting here going, all right, I want to make sure that I'm doing the will of God. I don't want to get off from the will of God. And I want to follow his leading Then I've got to make sure I choose the exact right thing, whether that be the right major or the right school or the right trade or the right job or the right internship or gap year program. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And I think I think that's uh, uh, probably an unhealthy way to view it. Okay. I think probably a more healthier way to view it would be, all right, I'm going to do my best to discern the will of God, not just myself, but in the context of community. And this is where mm-hmm. community is important. So even though I'm making decisions for myself, I hope that for the rest of that Christian's life, they're never making decisions completely just in isolation. I hope they're making decisions to discern the will of God in the context of community. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking to, let's say they're, you're 18, you're talking to your mom and dad, you're talking maybe to your pastor and or your youth pastor, and you're trying to discern the will of God for your life. And then you go, all right, I feel like the Lord is leading me here. And let's say that's going to a trade school. So you feel like the Lord is leading you to a trade school, and so that's what you do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I hope that that individual, when they're they're, they're discerning the best they can, that seems like the most— the, the correct thing, the following the will of God thing. So you go do that. And in the midst of it, you're let's say a year or two later down the road, you're going, man, this is just not me. Mm. This is not connecting. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, then I think you go, and I, I think the tendency at that point is to go, man, I blew it. I blew that decision. And I would go, no, maybe, you know, we are trying the best we can to discern the will of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So With community, with the Word, through His Spirit, and we're trying to discern the will of God. And all right, so maybe that wasn't it, or maybe that was it. Maybe you were supposed to go to that school for that time for a certain reason. But then now you feel like, all right, well, I've got a this, but I don't want to. I know I don't want to do this now for the rest of my life. So let me move forward. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was so that you could realize that's not what you want to do for the rest of your life. Maybe the Lord actually led you there to kind of end that desire. To then put you so your focus could be on what he has for you the rest of your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or it could be you just blew it <laughs> in the sense of like, I really wanted to do it. So I just went and did it. And maybe that's what you did. And but that's okay. Like it doesn't mean like I've just destroyed the plan of God for my life, is mm-hmm. what I'm getting to. I think sometimes when I mean that they were paralyzed, it's like you feel like like you're looking way down the road and you're going, all right, I need to end up quote unquote, there. Because mm-hmm. that's the will of God for me. And I've and you almost feel like you've got to make all the right steps to get there. And I don't think it always looks like a direct line. I think, let's say there's a, a line and a path, but I don't think it always necessarily has to be like this direct line or path. And, and it's moving and it's winding. And then other times, let's say you just get off the path mm-hmm. for a minute, for a season, you can still get back on. So, I don't think at 18, you should feel all the pressure in the world to make the right decision. I think you should try to say, I'm going to make the best decision I can in the context of my community and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and trust the Lord that if if somehow I got off a little bit, He'll steer me in the right direction from that point.
0: So it seems like people like Christians take this this idea when they're like 18 and, and and they think that for me to do the most christiany thing that i can do means i'm in ministry oh, okay or i'm in you know if i'm not doing that then how could i <laughs> you know what i mean like right. i'm not doing the most Christianiest right. thing that i could be doing right like so so tell me about that i guess
1: Yeah, well, first of all, not all individuals are called to some kind of full time vocational ministry. Right. Most are not. Right. Like percentage wise, most Christians are not called to be pastors or evangelists or teachers or prophets or apostles. I think you know we we can almost value those positions too highly to the point of like, in other words. Let me make sure I say this correctly because I do think we need to honor those that are called to that and that live out that that life. But I don't think we need to say they're more spiritual okay. than those who are not functioning in those roles, or they're more "quote unquote" Christian or devout Christian, but just because you're in full-time vocational ministry, okay, and because the the reality is, you know, for example, in Second Corinthians five, Paul says that we all have a ministry that we're called to. Mm -hmm. So every one of us are called to a ministry, and that ministry is to see people reconciled to God. Paul refers to it as a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry to see people reconciled to God, connected with God. And that should be the overarching call of each of our lives. Mm -hmm. So whether I'm going to go become an electrical engineer or a school teacher or a computer programmer or work in, you know, um, in the arts, whatever it may be, the overarching, I would hope, thought process for me is in the midst of that job, that career, whatever I'm doing, am I also seeing people reconcile to God, coming to know Jesus, and, and if we're doing that, then we're all engaged in the ministry we've been called to engage with. Okay. And so do I believe that some have been called and set aside for the work of the ministry to be an apostle or to be an evangelist? Yes. But I also believe that there's this overarching ministry everybody has called to, and that's that ministry of reconciliation. And there's so much that we do to minister to one another within the local body. Um, and I, so I would hate for an 18-year-old, for example, leaving high school to feel like, well, to, to really be a devout Christian, to show them how Christian I really am, I need to go into full-time vocational ministry. Because that's just not the call for everybody. And it doesn't mean you're more spiritual if you're doing that.
0: Okay, so I'm in a job. Okay. I'm not in school anymore, but I'm working. All right. How do I live that life the most Christianly? Yeah. So I think one of the things
1: that we have to be really careful with is to not create this sacred and secular divide. In other words, to think that, well, the church stuff I do, that's the sacred stuff. That's the spiritual stuff. And then there's just my job as if like that's somehow separated from from who I am as a Christian. And or somehow it's less sacred okay. than being at church on a Sunday morning, for example. And I would say that if we're called and to work in that job, whatever that job is, and we're so we're doing that, we're working there, we're doing it as unto the Lord, as the Lord tells us to do. So we're working under the, as unto the Lord. Then that place is just as sacred as when I'm at church. And so my, my thought process is there's not two different codes of ethics. There's not two different, you know, perspectives of, of well, I need to act Christian when I'm at church, but I don't need to act like a Christian when I'm in the business world or in the marketplace, because that's just me just doing my job. Okay. And I would say you need to be the same person in both places. And so you need to be a light you know, under the Lord, when you're at church and a light under the Lord, when you're at your job, you need to be able to share your faith and to share Christ when you're at church and with your friends and neighbors. And you need to do the same thing when you're at your job. Okay. And so uh, I would approach it as an opportunity, as a gateway, our Lord, you've got me here. So Lord, how do you want to use me here? is it that you want to open up doors for me to be able to share my faith with people is it that you want to bless me with resources so that I can then give for the purposes of seeing the kingdom expanded and and uh, or to help those who are in need i would so i would hope that there's a very prayerful attitude of how one's approaching their job and not just well i'm just i'm just here to pay bills
0: okay so give me an example like how how would i how would I act different at church and at my job? Yeah. So I think like, in other words, like what would be a bad example of that? Like, right. Yeah. So, cause like, I, I, I feel like I've heard that a lot of times, like mm-hmm. from, especially business owners, mm-hmm. like there's business owners in my family. Right. And they're like, well, you, you gotta be cutthroat sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, and that's business. Don't care. If, you know, we like, you know, always have to compete because there's people who are less moral, I guess, than you mm-hmm. who are cutting these corners when you're not mm-hmm. and you're going to fall behind. So how do you work that out?
1: Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, for, so that's a great example. So one of the ways I think that people can act differently between being in church and being at their job is. Their attitudes can be different, right? So, like at at their at church, they kind of are holding it all together. They're very cordial to everybody. They're nice to everyone, but then you put them on the job, and they're just jerks. And they have a bad temper, and and or they have just very loose ethics, mm. and they're willing to cut corners ethically um, in business to quote unquote get ahead or just do what they feel they, like, they need to do to stay with the present competition in their sphere. And I would say that that's trusting, that's putting a whole lot of trust in yourself to grow your business instead of trusting the Lord to do that for you. And so I believe there's a lot of men and women who have chosen to do it the right way. And yeah, it maybe you do lose some financial gain initially but I think in the long run, that the Lord will ensure that you'll be taken care of.
0: Sounding all healthy and wealthy there, Joseph.
1: Did it sound really healthy and wealthy? was well, healthy and wealthy. Yeah, well, I just think the Lord blesses those. I do think the Lord blesses those who act in accordance to righteousness, who act in accordance to, I'm going to do the right thing. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be like, I'm not sitting here going, well, if you just do it always the right way, you're always going to be healthy and you'll be a millionaire. Like, I'm not saying that, but I do think the Lord will provide for you and the Lord will provide for your needs. And so I do think we have to remember that God's looking, God's watching, God's seeing, God's in all of the conversations, whether we're at church or whether we're at work.
0: Okay, so another area of infinite possibilities that one would have as a... 18-year-old Christian going forward in life is mm-hmm. is a relationship. Sure. So oh. there's, what, three and a half billion people of the opposite sex on the planet? Right. So how do I find that one person that, one that singular is going to help me be the most christianiest person I can be for the rest of my life
1: right so <laughs> so different people have different perspectives on this okay all right uh, so like so for example uh, my wife is fully on the camp of there's that one person that God has for you okay
0: okay well that's just statistically wrong
1: right <laughs> that's what she's like there's the one person <laughs> right and uh and so that God brings that one person to you and that's okay I tend to go with the, when people ask me, how did you know your wife was the one for you? I said, well, when I asked her to marry me, she said yes. (laughs) So that's all I do. And so my point is being is, I think once, you know, we, we enter into marriage, that that's quote unquote, how you know, that's the one. In other words, I believe that when, you know, When you're asking someone to marry you and they say yes, like that's quote unquote the one for you. Okay. And, but I think what you're asking is how do I, how do I find that person? Right. That is going, I think to be honest with you, you know, outside of saying yes to following Jesus, who you decide to marry is the single most important decision you'll make in your life.
0: The most important?
1: The most important. Okay. It will have more impact on you. Than where you work, than what you do, th- who you are with, is the single most important decision you'll make.
0: And you're saying that getting married is the most Christianiest thing I can do. No, I'm not
1: saying that either. Okay. So, uh, so I do believe there's there's a there's a just a gift in singleness, and that, in other words, that individuals who choose to remain single and still keep and hold to a Christian sexual, sexual ethic of no sex outside of marriage, that individuals that choose to remain single, that, that is just as holy and godly as an individual that chooses to be married.
0: Okay, there's people that don't think that. So why don't they think that?
1: Well, and I understand because I think some people would point toward Genesis 1, for example. Okay. And say that the, one of the reasons that we were created was so that we could be, you know, fruitful and multiply, right? Right. And, and have children and procreate and, you know, fill the earth. And so, and I do believe that the bulk of people probably are called into, you know, to marriage. But I also believe there are those that, whether they're called to or they just say yes to being single, um, Or that's the choice they make to be single. Like that's not any less holy, though. And because so, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul actually states, I wish that you would all be single like me. And what Paul is saying in that is because he's single, he can single heartedly devote himself, all of his energy, time, and efforts Mm. to the work of the ministry. Okay. All right. And he's right when he says those who are married, their hearts are divided. And it's not, again, that's not being less holy either. It's just the realities of what Paul goes on to say is because now your interests are divided. In other words, your interest can't just be the singular focus on ministry in Jesus, right? Now it's. You're going to have to, you know, make sure that you're caring for your spouse. If you have children, you're going to have to make sure you care for your children. And so now my interests, my thoughts, my concerns are, are quote-unquote, multiplied. You know, if I'm single, I'm really concerned
0: about my livelihood. So I can only be single if I'm doing something for Jesus? No. Is that the only good reason to be single for the rest no, of your life?
1: No, that's good. Thank you for bringing that up. No, I think that's a really good question. No, I wouldn't say that either. Okay. Yeah. I think because I think the reality is, is some people are single right now, in and they don't want to be single. Like they would prefer to be married. Right. But for whatever reason, they find themselves as single. Okay. Right. Whether that's because they've never been married or they've been divorced and they find themselves right now being single and they're not in ministry or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't want to come across as to be single. Therefore, you must be engaged in ministry to make that worthwhile to be single.
0: I mean, if you, if God. Like you just said, if God has called me to be single, mm-hmm. then does that mean that God is calling me to ministry so I can put my full time into it? Or okay. am I just called to be single?
1: Right. That's a really good question. I, I do think there's I do think there's probably a little bit of an intermixing between the two. In other words, I think an individual can be called to be single. Okay? Okay. But I do think often, I'm not saying all the time. I do think often within that call to be single is a call for something specific. The Lord would have one do Okay. whether that is okay. You're single. So now you can actually go live on the mission field and not have to worry about having enough provision for a whole family. Mm -hmm. And you can just go focus on that. Um, I know an individual and they chose singleness. They felt like the Lord gave them actually two options. Like, you can marry this individual that you've been dating, and you can marry them. And the Lord said, like, she, she had the sense of the Lord would say, I would be pleased over that. Or she has also the sense of, if you start this orphanage in a third world country and remain single doing it there, I, I will, I'm pleased with that as well. She felt like she actually had the choice from the Lord in that. And she chose to start an orphanage in a third world country. And so, therefore, has been single up to this point, and that's been over twenty years ago. Um, and and so and so, she's you know served as a as a mom to all of these kids, you know, who were unfortunately just you know abandoned by parents at an early age, and she's raised them and um, and in an orphanage in this third world country, and so. You know, I feel like a lot of times there is an overlap in that, but it's not like it's a necessity. Um, And I don't think, and I think there's also people that are single that are kind of like, they do want to get married. Mm. But I don't want them to feel like they're less Christian just because they're not married yet. Okay. Or they've been divorced, they find themselves single, and they would like to get married again, but they're not now. I don't want them to feel like they're less Christian because of that. Mm. Like in the waiting if for them to be married, like, it's not like, okay, I'm waiting to get married. And now that it, once I'm married, then that will kind of up my Christian status. Like, that's just not the way this works at all. Um, and so I really would hope that people who are single could actually like receive from God and enjoy their singleness as they're waiting to be married. Or if they feel like the Lord's never calling them to be married, to embrace being single and know that that is just as
0: holy as one who does get married. So I'm called to be married. Okay. I have to pick the one person. Uh huh. How do I pick them? Right. And, and to
1: me, this is like hugely important. Okay. This part. Okay. It's, I want to marry someone that, so first, like, and you know, whether you call it dating or call it courting or whatever. Like when you start dating or courting, I would hope that you're dating and courting people that you believe could potentially be someone that you would marry. It sure. doesn't mean you have to know that right now or off the bat, okay? But there's like some baseline things, right? Like in other words, they're Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, as a as a, uh, spirit-filled, charismatic Evangelical Christian—that's a lot of labels and titles. Mm -hmm. um, Demon. (laughs) We'll we'll drop that one for now. Um, And uh, but for me, we put it this way: it was important for me that the individual that I was going to date—not just marry, but date—was like believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit believed that the Bible was inspired without error and valued the word of God, valued the presence of God, valued spending time with the Lord on a regular basis, valued church and the church community. So there's all these, there were these values that were really important to me. Now you may not know, you know, what all someone values on like before you go on to date one, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to know all of this before you go on to date one. It's kind of a point of, you know, you go out and have a date with, you know, you know and that you're, but I would hope that you would know they're a Christian. Right. That would be like, you would know that. And then as you're getting to talk to them and that kind of thing, you begin to discover, do your values line up? Okay.
0: okay? That's a lot of things that you were looking for. I don't think so. It's a lot of different things. I don't really think it was. I mean, I like I wanted
1: someone that was going to really love Jesus and had a had a, a an active, you know, walk with the Lord. They were spending time with the Lord on a regular basis. They were open and moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They believed the Bible was out without error and inspired. Like, yeah, and they loved the church and church family. That's not a lot to me. Um, and maybe it is to other people, but it's not a lot to me. And, and so I really believe that one of the biggest things is like values lining up. There's some theological things that need to line up, I think as well. Um, but I don't feel like if someone is a, if someone is a individual that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating today, they're married to someone or they're, they're dating someone that doesn't believe that. That can become a point of contention later on down the road when you're trying to choose a church where you want your kids to be raised, what you want your kids to believe in, that kind of thing. And so I do think it helps when you begin to align yourself up as much as you can on some very basic things. Because I like when I'm thinking about marrying someone, I'm also thinking about kids already. Okay. Because I got to think about how are we going to raise these kids? In what church environment? Right. And so, um, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's where I would—so so if you're here and you're going, well, how do I know the one? Well, I don't know if there is a one, okay? I think there may be a lot of people out there that the Lord would smile upon and, and go yes toward, and, and you begin to date them, and your values align, and you get married. I think this is the biggest thing. It's like when you get married and you say yes at being married, you're making a covenant with that person and with God, and— that's a yes, and God says yes to it as well.:
0: So it doesn't matter who I marry if I'm making the covenant with God, then God's saying yes
1: God's saying I mean if
0: I, if I am marrying them
1: okay mm-hmm. and entering into a, I think it's a, what I think is a sacred covenant, then God is saying yes to that
0: okay and it's, it's, so it's up to me to to figure out if that's good Yeah right okay so say there's 15. Twenty people, okay, on the planet, right? That hold all of those check boxes that you just gave. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for for one of them, and how? Like how? Okay, so say all say all twenty of them were in front of you, okay? <laughs> who check all of your boxes? Uh huh. On paper.
1: On paper. Okay.
0: So how are you picking which one
1: all right so let's say they they like i
0: want i want the most christianist relationship they all tick all these christian boxes that, right but there's still 20 of them so okay. one of them's going to be the best one so how do you know which one <laughs> well
1: i don't know if one of us can necessarily be the best one well all right but let me let me, let me that's throw this. the way
0: math works <laughs>
1: Let me throw in some parameters <laughs> to this too. All right. One, you need to be physically attracted to them. Okay. All right. So I think that's an, like you do need to be physically attracted to the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Um, and then your personalities need to connect. And that only, and the only way to know that is through time being with a person. Okay. And, and so. I've you know, I mean like when I was going through the dating, you know, process when I was in college and dating girls and you know, or or considering dating people, you know, uh, you know, there is there are times that on a on a value point, right, the things we value, things I valued were right on point with someone else. And but yet there just wasn't this attraction or Romantic chemistry Whatever you call it When you're together It just wasn't there mm-hmm. So I'm not going to force that You know Even though All these values line up um, There were times where You know I'd be dating someone And realize, Man our personalities Are Sometimes too similar Like you just You're like Oh wow We're going to drive Each other crazy Just because of how Similar our personalities are um, Or it could just be That our personalities Just don't connect And work at all um, And so I'd really believe that's all part of it is you're getting to know the person. You're getting to, you know, how do our personalities connect? Am I attracted to them? Do these values line up? How easy is it, is it for me to sit and just talk with the person? And can they be my best friend? And, you know, all that. I think that's just part of that process. And it probably takes a little bit of time to figure some of those things out.
0: So children. <laughs> okay. Do I have to have children?
1: Do you have to have children to be really to Christian? To be
0: super Christian.
1: No, you do not.
0: Good. <laughs> I think
1: there's others that are saying the same thing right now. i um, say, listen to this. And there's probably others that are cringing over my answer. Um, do you have to have children? No.
0: Wait, why are there people cringing over your answer?
1: Because I think there are people who really believe like the point of marriage is to procreate, have kids.
0: So yeah. why do you not think that?
1: I guess going back, and again, they would point back to the same Genesis 1 we right. talked about earlier. And so they went, well, the point of the point of getting married is to have kids to procreate the earth, da-da-da. All right. Well, I think the point of marriage is a lot more than that. And I guess I'll say, before we jump to the kids part, the ultimate point of marriage actually is to paint a picture of Christ and his bride. It is to be a walking, living example of the way Christ relates to his bride. And no, we're not perfect in Which it. Which
0: is the church.
1: Which is the church. All I'm right. sorry. Yeah, the church. And so and so marriage is to it is to is to present this idea of this intimacy. And by intimacy, I mean that I am known and that I know the other. Okay? And so, not just sexual, but I am known, and I know the other, and and that's the way God is with us. Like He He knows us fully and completely, and He wants us to know Him fully and completely. And in a course of a over time, and and my relationship with God, I'm beginning to look more and more like Him, and I am beginning to take on more and more of His characteristics, His attributes, as I get to know who He is. And I think marriage is. Supposed to paint a similar picture to this—that you know, not only be growing and probably looking more and more like each other, but the fact that Christ gave His life for the sake of of His bride of the church,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that husbands are to do the same. You know, they choose they choose to willingly lay down their lives for the sake of their of their or their wife to serve them Mm -hmm. sacrificially, but also just the joy of being together and being friends. And that's part of the joy of being in God too, right? Like that we're friends of God, that we enjoy being with God. And the same thing with our spouse, there should be a joy in the the two of you together. And again, I'm not saying it's always this way or this bubbly happiness excitement all the time. But the reality is, there's a joy in being married. There's a joy in who I'm with, and we're great friends, and we love doing things together. And so, I think that's part of this picture that we are that God wants to present to this world is husbands and wives as a picture to the rest of the world of what God, of of the way God is with His bride. Mm. And I really think that's actually one of the reasons. Satan hates marriage so incredibly much. And there's been such an attack on just the foundational belief of marriage and what marriage is. And so, um, and I, and I believe that goes on to the idea of kids as well. Um, and so, so the same people might say, well, if, if they have the wrong perspective that marriage is just about procreation, I and mean, that's just not what it's. That's just not what it's all about. Okay. It's again, it's it's a reflection. So I cannot have kids and still be a reflection of this world of the way that Christ interacts with a bride. Mm. Um, And so, and again, I'm not saying we're perfect in it and we don't always set the best example of that, but that is the quote unquote the ideal. Um, So, no, you don't have to have kids to present that picture.
0: But is it more Christiany to have kids?
1: Is it more Christiany? No, because there's times where individuals physically just cannot have children. Okay, and they're not less Christian because they cannot have children. And so there's you know um, an indi- you know if there's individuals in the marriage and they have fertility issues and they can't have kids. That's not like an indictment on them or mm-hmm. their Christianity or their faith um, just because they cannot have children.
0: Okay. So you presented some possibilities. hmm. Say I'm called to be single. Okay. How do I live my life the most christian way possible? Because someone... I have nothing else to do other than whatever God wants me to do at this point. How do I do that? Yeah, as a single person, I
1: mean, you're just as valuable and important in... in in the church community as anyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, so you're, uh, you know, you should, you should be a vibrant part of the church community and church family. And you would live, I mean, I don't think there's any difference between the way a single person and a married person would approach the way that they work, the way that they even go to church. I mean, I think all those things are the same um, in the sense that we're going to work as under the Lord and do what we feel the Lord's called us to, we're going to be a, you know, um, we're going to be a a part of the body of Christ locally in a local church. Um, We're going to serve the community. Now, as a single person, maybe you've got more time on your hands because you're not having to be at ball fields and that kind of stuff with kids, or maybe you are at ball fields with kids because you're an aunt or an uncle to, and you choose to be there with your nieces and nephews, or maybe you're an individual that chooses to mentor other kids. And so that's that's why you're at the ball fields. You're actually taking them there. So as a single person, maybe you have a little more time to give to other kids and to other people. Um, maybe you're you know serving in the food bank and that kind of stuff. Maybe you're serving a little more in the church. Um, And I don't want to be like you have to paint it as all, you have to do all the service type stuff because there's just as much joy in connecting and being in friendship with other people, right? So you're friends with those who are married and not married. You're friends with those in the church that are single, those that are not in the church that are single. So you're doing things with them and hanging out. And again, you're being part of the community. So I don't want to paint it as, well, you got all this extra time, you have to do all this service stuff. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you do have extra time, and so maybe you're going to serve and and give of your time uh, to those who. Man, there's so many kids that need a positive role model in their life. That need someone that would just not just be a positive role model, just someone that would show interest and care. Mm. Um, and so, I think doing those kind of things would just be for me. I'm just, just talking about for me. That would just be incredible. Mm. Um, Or you're single, and maybe you consider, "Hey, you know, I could go serve on a mission field somewhere, or I could go teach at a school in another country to reach kids." Uh, I mean, all those things become possibilities um, when you're not initially "quote unquote" tied down with with another individual to hear, but let's say you've got no desire to go to another country, no desire to go, you know, the mission field. Fine. That's no, I mean, no worries at all. It's just, but what is it that maybe the Lord has allowed you to have more time to do?
0: Say I'm, say I'm called to be single and all I do is ministry stuff. Okay. Is that just as Christian as I'm married and half my time is married and half of my time is ministry stuff? And is that just as equal as I'm married with children and 90% of my time is married and children and 10% is ministry stuff? Like, are all those things equally as Christian?
1: Okay, yeah, I— so to me, the question is, and every one of those is, okay, what is the season of life I'm in? Okay. And what is what do we really feel the Lord is calling me to? Like, what does it look like to follow Jesus in that season for okay. that individual? Okay. So let's say you are, you feel called to be single. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would actually hope you wouldn't just spend all of your time doing ministry stuff.
0: I mean, I'm like, I'm like hypothetically asking. Yeah. Yeah, but no, no, there's no. So, like, same person, same age, Uh uh-huh. three different scenarios. It's okay. all equal
1: as a Christian. It's all. So, let's say, for example, you're single, you're giving all your time or the bulk of your time to ministry. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, you're following Jesus. Okay. Right. If that's what you're doing. You're following Jesus. If you are same age, now you're married. And so you're not giving all of that time to ministry because you do have a wife to care for or a husband to care for. And so you're doing that. Yes. Just you're following Jesus. Okay. Okay. Same age season of life. And you've got, you're married and you've got kids Mm. and you've got two kids under the age of three (laughs) and diapers and you know, your wife's exhausted and yeah. So You're giving the bulk of your time to, you're probably going to be at work, and then you're probably going to be with your family. And and so, and not that you're not going to do some things in serving the church, that kind of stuff, but the reality is that's just a different season of life. That's why I said season of life matters, but all of those things are just as valid and just as of value in following Jesus. It really is in about every season of life, am I following Jesus according to what I feel he is calling me to? and leading me to do. Okay. Yeah, and and I do think, by the way, and though— And he's not
0: going to call me or lead me to anything that's bad?
1: Right. Okay. Absolutely. And I would say this is the point, though, of being in community that is very helpful. Okay. Because a community can sometimes speak into our lives. We have brothers or sisters in Christ that we're close with, that we have given freedom and permission to speak into our lives, because sometimes they can see things that we can't, mm-hmm. and they can be like, hey, we know you got a lot of other things going on, but we just don't, you know, don't fall away from coming to church on Sunday mornings and the that the yet going on. Staying, stay connected to the community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I, I think that having those voices in our lives actually helps in this season of life because hopefully those voices would also tell you that same person hey, don't get disconnected from the community, but don't feel ashamed for the fact that you have to do less mm-hmm. serving in the local church because of the season of life you're in. So I'm, I'm hoping the community would do both of those things. Make sure you're connected, but but also help you not feel condemned or shamed because you were not as you're not as active as you used to be.
0: Okay. So just married, how do we do that? We want to be Christians for the rest of our lives. hmm Just married, no just kids. Married. Don't have kids, can't have kids.
1: Can't have kids. Okay. Um I mean, it's just, I feel like I'm going to be a broken record from this point on probably, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to follow Jesus. Um, and I do want to say that one of the things that we can really get into is if we're not careful, all right, let's say, cause this is, this is what can happen. Let's say you've got, uh, so you're two individuals, you can't have kids, you are, both working okay, so you got mm. dual income coming in, and let's say you've got extra expendable income, right? Well, and I'm what I would hope, regardless of if you're two individuals that are married, not have kids, or you're married and have kids, but you still make you know a good bit of money, or and maybe the amount of money is not the issue in this, it's probably not the issue, I guess, becomes I don't want anyone to start going, all right, well, the goal of life is the American dream. The goal of life is to I need a I need to build a house and live in this community and do these things and drive these cars and have these you know toys that really expensive toys and to to somehow be quote unquote successful. And so like The white picket fence, right thing. Yeah, and like, and so if you're listening to this and you got a white picket fence, like I'm not throwing a stone at you, okay. And but what I would say is that we do have to be careful. It's off white. (laughs) Well, that's better, I guess. Uh, So, but I think that one of the things that we don't want to do is is get caught up into just well, what what becomes norm in our own culture in America, and what becomes norm not just in the culture in America, but what does it mean to be successful? And so oftentimes successful or what is norm in our, in the culture is, okay, you need to have, you know, you have this kind of a house when you first get married and then you need this size of a house when you, you know, a few years later, and then, Oh, now you got, you know, multiple kids. We got this, this larger house to make sure that every kid's got a room and that kind of thing. And we, and we're chasing houses and then we're chasing types of cars, and I think that's the road that I would not want anyone to go down, regardless of they're single, they're just married, or they're married with kids, because that's that's not how the kingdom of God gauges success. And I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that if you have a big house, that you're not following Jesus. All right, like so, I'll be really clear with this.
0: You're okay. So you're just saying that the american dream is not necessarily god's dream
1: correct okay yeah absolutely like th- like god's whole goal for us is not so that we can just have a house
0: okay
1: or nice cars like, that's not that's not it at so all so i'm
0: not a christian so i can have a nice car
1: right <laughs> okay like, that's not the goal of being a christian right this is like well, that's good <laughs> <laughs> well, and it also goes against not just the American dream, but it also, the American dream, man, it's gotten so weird in the church. The American dream has almost gotten tied into the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. where like, all right, well, if you're really following Jesus, you got that, you're blessed with that nice house. You're blessed with that nice vehicle. Coming back with us again. Yeah. <laughs> I will come back to this. And so, <laughs> cause I hate it. I just, it's so, it's so not the perspective of the gospels. Mm. The perspective of the Gospels was Jesus like, come follow me. And by the way,
0: we're all homeless.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, um, we're going to go uh, anytime that we need to go somewhere, we're going to have to go find a place to stay. Thank God for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Apparently they had a big enough house to mm-hmm. host the guys. With you the know. With <laughs> and so, you know, but following Jesus is going to look different for all of us, but the goal is not, all right, well, I need to make sure I've got a house or make sure I have a car. If you have a house that can host lots of people, that's fantastic. If you have a, you know, a car that doesn't break down every two weeks, fantastic. Like, but my point is being is we don't want to chase money, houses, cars. We don't want to chase those things. We don't want to chase what it looks like to be successful, in 21st century america that's not our goal in following jesus so we need to just set our hearts on lord what do you have for us and you know and i would hope no one would feel the pressure of oh i need to do i need to have this house or this car and so they're getting themselves in debt up to their eyeballs to do it okay that's just no way to live um and the Lord doesn't want us to be, you know, a slave to anyone. You know, I've I've been there I've, where we had so much debt and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Um, and because it really it limits you on what you can do for the kingdom's sake. Right. And so when you overextend yourself financially. Mm. And so I, I really would say that my, my heart would be that people would go, OK, the goal is not to just do X, Y and Z or have X, Y and Z or, you know, it's like you know, you go through and you're scrolling through social media Mm. and you're seeing all these posts of people on their vacations and, you know, people at these nice restaurants or people at these different events. And you're like, oh man, I would like to do those things too. Or I need to do those things to fit in or to appear as if we're doing just as well as this other person or these other people. And I, I think we're, if you start going down that road, you're 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 chasing something that's an illusion, and you're chasing something that's not that's not actually eternal. Um, so when Paul tells us to set our eyes on things above, you know, so in Colossians chapter three, when he says, "Set your eyes on things above," mm-hmm. and not just things that are here that are temporal. And I think we can really have. The temptation is to set our eyes on the things that are here, temporal, that I can see. You know, I would feel better about me, my life, my family, if we did, if we had this vacation, if we had this vehicle, if we had this house. But that's not actual joy. That's not actual peace. That's not, that doesn't, we don't have to have those things to follow Jesus. I guess maybe that's the biggest thing. You don't have to have those things to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that if I have a nice car, or if I have a nice house and I'm not following Jesus. doesn't mean that, right? Right. But it means that, okay, but hopefully even in that, there's still a priority. Hopefully I'm still able to give. I'm still able to be a generous giver to others and to the kingdom. Even if I have this car or this house, maybe the Lord has blessed. I mean, the Lord has blessed individuals with the ability to create you know wealth and income and that's that's awesome okay thank god for that so then but then the question is okay how am i using it right and what am i using it for and is it for just myself and my wants and my needs or not my needs but my wants my desires or is it for kingdom stuff and again I thank God for the people that have houses that are large enough for others to come and all gather together in, right? We need those. I mean, even in Scripture, you had people, gatherings that were happening in people's homes. Hmm. They obviously had a large enough home to host those people there. And so that's, I mean, thank God for people that have the houses that are so hospitable. I mean, two of my closest friends, they open up their house all the time to people for gatherings and for people to come over. They're so hospitable and they've so used their property for that purpose, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think, and I thank God for them for doing that. And so it's not that you can't have a nice house you can't have a nice car. It's just, that's not the goal and that does not define success.
0: And then you die. (laughs) Then that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Game over. Game over. That was the Christianiest life that we just <laughs> laid out for two episodes. Yeah. So, so Christian.
1: So Christian.
0: Can I can I sum it up? Hashtag yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so for me, when we were talking about what does it look like to live the most Christian-y life, okay, what it looks like at the end of the day, it's it's what am I doing to follow Jesus. Okay. In every season of my life,
0: no matter what I'm doing, what it, no matter what I'm doing, I'm trying to follow, follow Jesus. Jesus with it. Right, and and I'm
1: not going to get paralyzed at every point in which I am concerned I made the wrong decision. Okay, remember what we were talking about when you were 18 and having to make a decision for the rest of your life of what you're going to do. Yeah, and that can happen. That's gonna, that same question is going to come up again when you get you know married is this the right person mm-hmm. okay it's going to come up again later on in a job when you move from one job to another job right and all we can ever do in throughout the the whole course of our life is is what we're doing is it the are we doing the best we can to make the, to discern the will of god for this decision And so we lean into community, we lean into the Word of God, we lean into the Spirit speaking to us, and we do the best we can to discern where God has us next, or or has for us in our next, this next season. So when we make a career change, or we make a job, we leave one job for another, and then you you do the best you can to discern that, and maybe a year later, or six months later, or whatever it may be, a few years later, you're like, man, this is not it. This is not it. I, know, <laughs> And then it's and it's not, I can't sit there and go, man, I just blew it. Mm. And I've just messed up God's plan for me in my life.
0: Because you're regretting past mistakes, which is not christian D. Well, so. I, there's nothing I can do to change
1: it, right? Right. So I got to go, Lord, so helping, you know, again, we're going through this process again. Lord, I want to do the best I can to discern your will for my life in this season and what that looks like. I think that's what we're doing for our whole lives. You know, we're going to do that over and over again. We're, we're raising our kids. If, if you happen to be raising kids, what am I doing to make the best decision I can for the sake of my kids? We'll do that when they're out of the house, and you'll do that with your finances, and, you, I mean, you'll do that where you choose to live. And all of these things, we're just doing the best we can to follow God's will. And we have to realize he's not up there just waiting for us to mess up and just slap us over the head when we do. You know, he's rather he's I mean, I think he's inviting us to join him in what he has for us. Mm. But if we if somehow we just miss it or we just are we're too scared to say yes at the moment, it doesn't mean God goes, well, that was it game over for you and following the will of God for your life. Um, You know, no, he just continues to extend grace to us and allows us to live a life which is being, which is fulfilled in God. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I want to live a life that's fulfilled in following Jesus. And so that's in being in a relationship with him. That's in being with his people and being in community. And that's in trying to see people come to know him. I mean, like, for real, if we break it down to just those few things, like, we're, like, you're okay. (laughs) Regardless of if you're single, if you're married, if you're married with kids, regardless of if you're, you find yourself single or, you know, because of a divorce or you're going through a divorce or, you know, whatever, whatever season of life we end, we have right now, like, the best we're doing is, God, can we do, can I just, Lord, I just want to, I'm sorry, I'm rambling at this point. I think the best thing we can do in in every season of life is just to just say, God, I want to love you. And so I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be in your word. God, I, I want to be with your people and be in community. And so I'm going to, yes, I'm going to go to church. And yes, I'm going to connect into discipleship groups. And yes, I want to serve others and love in our community. And, and then I want to see people come to know Jesus. And I'm going to share. You know, that overarching call to ministry, we all have to be ministers of reconciliation. I'm going to do the best I can to share Christ with others, to make disciples in every season of life. So if we're loving God, we're loving others, we're making disciples in every season of life, we're, we're okay. Even if we feel like maybe we missed it on a job or a career or those kind of things.
0: And then you die.
1: Then you die. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah and then and then sure. you die yeah <laughs> can can I read can I read one verse yes, in first John chapter two, beginning in verse twelve and going through verses thirteen and fourteen, I think this is one of those beautiful passages about just the what it looks like in our walk with God through the seasons of our life, okay. So in 1 John 2 verse 12, it says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And when we first come to know Jesus, that's the big thing. Our sins have been forgiven. Okay. Like we are experiencing and celebrating salvation and that we are forgiven. And he goes on to say, I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And it's like that idea of, all right, now you're older in life, and you, what what your experience is now is not just that I've been forgiven of sins, but now you know God. Mm-hmm. There's Over the years and over the time, you've developed this relational intimacy with God, and you know Him. And he says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And it is the young men, it's the it's individuals in their 20s and their thirties and their forties, and they're they're the they're working, right? And and they are the ones that are tending to just, you know, in in seasons of life, we're gonna we're gonna build, we're gonna create, we're gonna do, we're gonna see the kingdom expanded, and there's this this working mentality, this movement within them. And he goes on to say, now write to you, dear children, because you have known the father. And I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Again, John's repeating himself. And he says, but remember, fathers, you've known him from the beginning. The children, have their sins been forgiven? And then the end of verse 13 says, you have known the father. We come to know God as a father. Mm. I think it's hugely important. And then he goes on to say about the young men again. He says, and I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And I think that that kind of sums up where we are in our seasons of life. We come to know the Lord, and we our sins are forgiven. We begin to know the Father. We're growing in the Lord. And in growing in the Lord, we begin to— Take in the Word of God, we're overcoming the powers of the evil one, we're seeing movement happen in the kingdom, and then in our latter years, it's this rest of I know God, I know him and and there therefore, when we come to that point of death <laughs> it's not uh it's it's not a a regretful mourning time like it would be for young men, because young men, young women are kind of in that they're we see them having this vitality of life, mm. and none of us want to see that them robbed in that season. But it's when but when we're older and we come to the point of death, it's that sense of okay, I have peace because I know him. Mm. I know God. I have ran my race well, like Paul said, and I'm I'm ready to go be with the one in whom I know. And so, you know, um, and, and that doesn't have to happen for people just in later years. It can happen earlier on. Maybe you've dealt with a cancer or with a sickness or an illness, and now you find yourself on the precipice of death and you're, you're what you would be labeled a young man or a young woman even. But the reality is the Lord has hopefully moved you through these seasons, maybe a little more quickly. And now you're at the point where you just where you know God, you know Him, and even in the midst of looking at death in the face, you have a peace, and you and 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 almost, and, and as much as we are going to miss individuals here, almost a, a a a relief of I'm I'm leaving this body and I'm going to be with the One who has forgiven me, who I know is a Father who I have served well, loved well, and now I'm going to, the one who knows me and I know him, and I'm ready to go be with him. And I think that can be a, a beautiful point in our life when we see that all of life, it does lead to this point to where this life here on earth is over. So the question is, what did we do with all the rest of it, right? What did we do with our life here on earth? Like What, we, what did we spend it on? What did we give it to? Mm. And it won't be about my career or my job, my it'll be about lives that I impacted. It will be about people that I invested into. It'll be about resources that I gave for the sake of others and all of, and it'll be about knowing God and hopefully sharing that knowledge of God with other people. And therefore in our latter time when we're on that point of dying, there's a point of peace. And there's also, I think, a point of going, (laughs) you know, it's like uh, I've heard someone say before, you know, when when you're on your deathbed, um, more than likely, you know, it's not your bosses and coworkers coming around you. Mm. Right, it's it's your family and your closest friends, and not that you couldn't have developed close friends in the workplace. That may very well have happened, but it's your it's your family and your closest friends that are there, and and so it kind of gets back to the point of so what matters, right? And so in all of life, my loving God, my loving others, my making disciples, so that when I get to that point of death, I'm going. God, I've done my best to run this race. And I haven't done it perfectly and I've messed up along the way. And I could have done things better, sure. But God, I'm at this point now and I have peace. Cause I have known I know the one who is from the beginning.
0: And then you're just dead. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the one I heard this podcast. Um man, I feel like I just lived a whole thing whole life. A whole life. Just lived right there. In two hours. Amazing. Wow. I'm so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find the podcast on anywhere that you find a podcast. Follow updates on the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. Go to Patreon, $5. Click all the buttons around the things. Like and subscribe and comment and follow and share. I think those are the major ones. I did it right this time. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate NateRobinsoff, and you can find Joseph on Instagram at RevJoT. This has been The One I Heard This Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. bye